I think that the way of the future for marketing ops and rev ops overall is very mathematical driven, very statistics driven. And I think AI is actually going to help unlock that for more people. You don't have to have the formal background like I do to harness it. Welcome to the Ops Stars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Offos. So thanks for joining another episode of the, the Ops Stars podcast. My name is Don Offos. I'm the VP of Alliances at Lean Data. I have uh, with us today, Rachel Squire. She is a marketing operations consultant at Moby Solutions. And what is it What is it that Moby does? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so Moby, it's really just me, a little marketing operations consulting, quote unquote, group, I guess. And we focus on Marketo and analytics, but anything marketing ops is fair game. Well, you fooled me. I When I when I saw it on LinkedIn, I thought it was like this huge corporation. <laughs> I was like, wow, Moby Solutions. Never heard of it, but it looks really cool. You have a really good logo. I like it. Um, no, that's awesome. Um, so um, you have a you have a really uh, great background. Um, I think you you came out of uh, being a math major and have now ended up in in revenue operations, focusing focusing obviously on on marketing operations. Can you can you walk us through um, how how did you end up going from math to marketing operations? Yeah, I think like most people in this field kind of found me and I love that about it. So when I, you know, originally was going into math, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't even want to do math, but I kept taking math classes and my advisor finally told me I better be a math major or I wouldn't graduate. So <laughs> I found myself in that boat. This is your this is the shortest path of your degree. Do this. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so I didn't have a choice. Um, but obviously I liked it because I kept taking the classes and um after college, I did some stuff, didn't really find anything I liked, decided to go to grad school because that's what people, that's what some people do when they don't know what to do. Um, but before I finished PFL, where I had worked kind of in between uh, college and grad school, they called me up and they said, hey, we just purchased this thing called Marketo. Uh, we realized this is a full-time job. It's not just like a side job for everyone here. Do you want to come back and work and manage Marketo? Um, I'd worked in IT there, so I definitely had the technology management background that they were familiar with. So I said, great, because I'm tired of paying for my life. I'd rather get paid to do it. And so I dropped out of grad school, uh, went back to work at PFL full time in marketing ops and uh, never looked back. And so and, and PFL, if I remember right, they, they kind of uh, uh, evolved as an organization into being more of like a gifting platform. So they, 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 they are, they kind of, they're out there competing with like a Sedoso or a Postal. And so, and uh, if I remember right, um, uh, they're based in Montana, right? Yep. Bozeman, Montana. And basically they're the only company in this little town called Livingston right outside Bozeman. Um, but yeah, they're doing some pretty cool things over there. So were you, were you, did you move out there or, I mean, cause this is like pre-pandemic. So I know like usually like, you know, for taking a job like that, they'd want you to like be on site. Did you end up, did you end up in Montana for the job? 
I did. I actually, I lived in Montana in high school, so I was already familiar with PFL and that's why I started working there in the first place. And I went to, to grad school in Idaho, but I did go back to do this Marketo thing. Got it. Got it. So, so you started, you started in IT. So you were, you, you were pretty familiar with the systems. So how, I mean, is that, is that what influenced you uh, as far as the direction to kind of move into, to doing marketing and revenue operations was kind of that systems background that you had in IT? I'd say so. Like, I, I love being able to take these hypothetical situations, you know, very non-concrete problems people are trying to solve and realize that, like execute that, make it happen. And I loved doing that in IT, but it was still, there was less of that in my experience as a very, very junior level person. Less of that, you know, strategic, let's get in front of this audience, whatever. Um, whereas in marketing ops, you get that a little bit more. And I'm sorry, everyone in IT, because that probably is a thing over there too. And I just never made it that far. They're strategic as well, eventually. They are. <laughs> I never made it that far. But I, I love that about marketing ops, where at least I do get to realize that a lot more, you know, hands on. You're able to move from being tactical to strategic quicker than staying in IT. Yes. Right. So, so you, you first, if I remember right, you first went after marketing. So you, your first exposure was really managing the Mar, the Marketo app, the Marketo instance at, at PFL. What, what was it like to, cause, cause I, like, I can remember like when I first, when I first used Salesforce, right? It was like this huge awakening, right? <laughs> it's like, whoa, there's a software that does this. This is really cool. And I can imagine the same thing, the same thing for Marketo is kind of that same experience. Was it, was it like that for you? Yeah. I mean, getting into Marketo for the first time was really overwhelming because prior to that, I had used like constant contact, MailChimp, and people are like, it's the same thing. It's just a little more robust. Well, it's 10 times as expensive. So it better be more than just a little robot, more robust. And it is. And, you know, it's kind of overwhelming at first, but. Um, I had a really awesome Marketo, you know, implementation consultant from Marketo, Beth. She's awesome. Um, and then we worked with RevEngine Marketing Digital Pie, um, became Digital Pie. Between them, like I was really well covered. People trained me up to do what I was doing the best. And um, I don't know, I guess that's all it kind of takes is you got to have someone who knows what they're doing holding your hand. And if you have that, you're going to be okay. Yeah. So, so here's a question. So like, I, like I can remember when I first got exposed to Salesforce, the people that kind of onboarded me way back in like 2005, I, I still stay in contact with one of them. Do, do you still stay in contact with Beth? Um, you know, actually I don't, but now that you say that I miss her and I'm going to go say hi. <laughs> you have to go back and add her on LinkedIn now and be like, remember me? I know it's been like 10 years, but I'm still here. <laughs> So okay, but uh, besides the besides um, Beth, you said you also used a consultant. It was Digital Pie. Yeah. Uh, so it was RevEngine was the company, but they've been they were acquired by Digital Pie pretty quickly after. Got it. And then you you left PFL to go to Digital Pie. I did. Ironically, it was like a few months before the acquisition, so there was no weird business, but <laughs> it was kind of fun because all of my friends from when I had that relationship at PFL, all of a sudden, we're my coworkers now. <laughs> it's great. 
oh my gosh, that's too funny. Um, and and was that really was the experience uh, that you had with with digital pie? Is that is that really what kind of made you say, hey, I want to go do this on my own, like and, and and go that consulting route? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, when I worked at PFL, when I started, not when I um, had left, but my very first Marketo side working at PFL. I was really just working there because I thought it sounded interesting and it wasn't like this is going to be my entire career. I just thought it sounded like a cool job. This is like my early 20s. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life still. And as I kept doing it and realizing I'm good at this, this is fun, it's fulfilling. Um, that's why I wanted to become a consultant and worked at that agency anyway, um, because, hey, let me do this for more companies all at the same time. And as I did that at Digital Pie, I fell in love with consulting and I loved being able to learn from all these different companies and all these strategies and, you know, sales tactics and all that. Um, and I really have wanted to do it on my own ever since. I didn't until recently, but, you know, that desire to has been there for a long time. And, and it's just it's and it's a jump too, right? Because you, you go from the security of, of like having a paycheck to really going into a to a role where you you've got to kind of be the end to end, you know, go source the business, you know, close the deal and execute on the contract when, when you're, when you're out there as a consultant. So that's, it's, it's, I know it's, I know it's always a really a big jump uh, when, when you do that. Um, so you're, you're obviously familiar with lean data. You, your first experience uh, with lean data was at Testop, and you, you, I believe brought, lean data in um or no wait was it did was test app already using lean data or were you did you have had you brought it into to to the organization yeah i brought it in i had used it i hadn't personally used it that as much um, but i definitely had clients using it at digital pie and i think that there was actually partnership there if i remember correctly or something something was there um, maybe we just hosted parties together but <laughs> a lot of exposure I, I knew it was amazing. And um, when we were at Tastop, basically, I realized, wow, every single problem we have, lean data can solve. So we should get it. Um, so we did. And it took a while to convince everyone, especially like the marketing team was like, oh, yeah, we need this. But trying to convince the rest of the company, especially like finance and stuff, took a little while, but we finally did get it. Um, and it was such an exciting thing. So did that... So did that really help start? So, cause like at this point, you know, you, you've had, a, you've had a couple of roles, you've had that exposure uh, to, to Marketo as a platform, to lean data as a platform. You know, I think, I think, you know, you, you really, you know, us as, as uh, RevOps operators really start to develop a like, Hey, I know this works, you know, d is that where you, is that like, so was it task top where you started really shaping your approach to, to marketing ops, uh, and how, what your philosophy is there? Yes, like uh, very much so. And I could talk about that forever. But, you know, when I was working at Tastop, having had that agency background and then going back in-house and saying, okay, now that I have developed these strategies across... Now that I see these problems everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Everyone has these problems. I know how to fix them now and let's do it. And now you have me full-time to do it, which is something clients don't have, you know? So it was a nice changed to be able to bring all of that that's true and then and then you went from you went i know you went from task top to, to power school and when you're a power school i think you know i would think um you you went more to the analytics side you were you were director of marketing analytics 
like how did you that must have been a great i mean that must have been a great opportunity for you to bring in that whole mathematics background into into marketing analytics and operations can you talk about like some of the things that you did at uh, at power school yeah so power school was a lot of fun it's a very different business model than any of my other companies because obviously they're selling to schools school districts and very different than your traditional b2b strategy right and so um it was it was really fun challenge to learn the ins and out of that industry um and i loved being on the intelligence side because i really had ownership over both the architecture how do we set things up so that i get the analytics and the insights that i need but also of course let's figure out what's going on let's try to make predictions for next year um you know where should we put our budget where should we put our resources and how do we know if things are working? How do we decide if things are working? Because that's a whole separate thing. And um, I got to kind of lean into that math and statistics background that you kind of do a tiny bit of, but not really, you know, without a reason. So uh, it was it was really fun to be able to do that really. Um, I don't know what the word is like to really focus on that with a lot of my attention. It was like really more of a, a data-driven approach. Like the, the decisions you were doing, you were actually leveraging math and, and analytics to be able to say, hey, this is the way we're doing it today, but I think we should make this change because here's what the data says. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm sure you've seen it before. Like it's really easy for, let's just say I've had the experience of, hey, we should do things this way. And they say, well, I feel like that didn't work or I feel like this thing should get more credit. and when you really know your statistics, you can say, you were wrong. <laughs> I don't care how you feel. Right? Our feelings are not math, so you can't argue with the numbers. <laughs> yep. No, it's it's so true. Can do you, do you have, so like when you're a power school, do you, do you have like an example of like how that happened? I, I know uh, we talked about um, uh, you like when you first joined power school, there was a kind of the basic strategy of like, we're going to send uh, an email based on somebody's title. And and that's kind of what drove everything you were doing in your marketing platform. But like once things started to get going, you were able to layer on a lot of analysis and and make those decisions on who you were sending emails to, uh, what emails you were sending and why from more of a, a data driven approach. Can you can you re can you tell that story? Yeah. So, and shout out to the people who are still taking this to the next level there, because from what I've heard, it's gotten even better since I left. But we did one of my favorite projects that we did when I was at Power School was we were in this situation where we're like, okay, we're emailing everyone too much. And if you do that, they stop caring, they stop interacting with your email marketing. So, how can we find a way to keep these people engaged and only send them the stuff they actually care about? If they're only going to read 20% of what we send them, let's make, let's actually just give them that amount and make it the right thing that we actually want them to see. Um, so we did this huge project. We had our marketing intelligence team, our marketing automation team, and then all of our actual marketing people. Um, and we combination of surveying them based on what they'd seen to be successful and Marketo and Salesforce data, um, to say, okay, these very, very specific job titles combined with things that we know about them as a company or as a district or whatever um we had i won't get into all the details because it won't even matter to most of this audience but we, we 
but you have a real narrow ICP, right? So like I would almost I would almost think for school districts, like you if if their title is X, then you know what their function is. It's you know, not a lot of guessing, but 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 there is a lot of nuance to it. Well, there is, right? In a school district, um so when I lived in Montana, there was a school that had it was like a one room schoolhouse with thirty kids, but they still used technology. And this is like thirty kids from like preschool to high school. This is not like 30 kids in high school. So tiny school, a principal or an administrator at that school looks very different than a principal in the LA high school right next to where I grew up that had like thousands of kids in two grades. So yeah, it's, you know, you think just like in any B2B, you think you know who someone is by their title, but it's, it's really not that easy. Yeah. And then, and then that's, and then that's really where you layer on that analytics of, of, of knowing like, Hey, we, 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 we send this particular email, we're getting this type of response for, and then you start looking at, you know, like you said, titles and then aligning it to other things, you know, even, even though your ICP is narrow, there's still that, that, you know, difference where you can add on a little bit more analysis to know, look, it's going to make sense to send this person, this email where on someone else it may not. Right. And the, and it's so easy to base that off of what we think they're going to do. But when you have the data and you can say statistically, this person is more likely to respond to this subject line or this CTA or this type of content, then you can really start to see results really fast, at least at that engagement level. Yeah. And I almost feel like that type of analysis, you know, we are going to have to start looking at more deeply as things like, you know, Google, you know, gating their, their mail because of your spam rating, right? Like, like this, it's going to be really important to do that analysis and know, you know, Hey, we want, you know, we may not want to send somebody an email because we don't want them to flag it as spam. So you're really going to want to have that analysis to know these are the emails that we know result in opens and, and happy, you know, happy recipients based on all the analysis that you end up doing. Yeah. And Happy recipients is the end goal for every angle of that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 part of that journey, you know. That I you know I kind of t- I always talk about like RevOps owns that journey, and so you know that that's just one piece of it, right? You you want that great experience when they're opening those emails, and 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 it's really the onus is on us to make sure that we're sending them the, the things that are going to click with them the most. Um, and I think that that that's really important, and I think that's where that that analysis really comes in into play. So you you did that, and then you're like, okay, I want to go do my own thing. <laughs> so what 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 motivated you to do that? I know I, we talked a little bit about like how that's a huge jump, um, and now you're you're running you're you're running your own business in essence as your own consultancy. So like, what is what has that experience been like? Um, not not just moving into being your own consultant, but you know, because you did you did work for a consultancy, so you've had that experience, and then you've also had the you know, obviously the experience of of working uh, as a full time employee at a company. What what has it been like to be on your own doing the whole thing? I love it. It has been a lot of fun. I love the business side, even you know, from every job that I've ever had, even down to when I was an internship for a receptionist back in. I don't even remember whenever that was like I've always been fascinated by 
finance side and the sales side and the operation side. And I've always wanted to know every single thing about how a business works and how I can make it better. And so being able to actually have ownership over that has been really fun. It's also crazy intimidating. I was just talking to a friend who also does this consulting thing this morning and we're like, I understand why one person, their entire job is just contract management or whatever. No, do not want to do that full time. But it's really fun to have my hand in everything a little bit. Yeah, you you talked about it being from like manpower to tech power. Yeah, there's a huge shift really in the way that honestly, independent consultants are really seeing this a lot right now because we have to rely on tech power. I have like, I have like tech subscriptions for my accounting, for my invoicing, stuff like separate ones for, I don't know, my syncing up all my calendars. Like you have to be able to rely on technology to take over a lot of that manual stuff for you because just like us in RevOps are trying to help our clients and our teams spend more time making money. We want to spend more time making money too. Oh, exactly. Are you are you doing anything? As I'm just curious, like anything on the AI side that, that's helping you, like you know, kind of kind of ex, uh, extrapolate your what you're doing day to day. I think you know a lot, a lot of people like using ChatGPT to like do a lot of the busy work and kind of the minutia to get their to get their job done. Do you find are you finding any ways to like bring in AI to to help to help run what you're doing? Yeah, I you know when people started talking about all of this AI stuff at the beginning of the year, I was like real skeptical. I was like, okay, well, cool, but it is not mature enough. It's gonna be another three or four years. I was so wrong. I'm already used like I don't really use it for content, although a lot of people do. Um, although I have done to like I've literally typed in, hey make write this email with fewer exclamation points because I use too many but <laughs> other than that AI is great so like I've used it to help me with attribution modeling with lead scoring um forecasting it is oh see that's got to be cool like like what so like what are, what are the prompts what, what like what's a prompt that you use to do lead scoring like what what like do you have an example so I feel like every time I do it I'm like I have to try to remember I've this most recent time I was playing around with it, I was like, okay, I've got all of these people. They did all of these things. These are the ones that did the thing I wanted them to do. So whether it's, you know, filled out a form or open an opportunity or whatever. Because um, I also don't want to feed it information that I wouldn't want out there publicly. So you have to be kind of careful, right? But here's here's a list of things that happened. Here's the output. How do I know what was the nice combination of those things it gives you like clunky weird stuff like it it is still early but it gives you something to start with um and i literally just talk to it like it's my friend and i just say hey can you figure this out i do the same thing have you voice have you done voice enablement on it oh no i have not oh my gosh you can actually like talk to it now it's it's scary (laughs) see i kind of want to try it but i kind of am scared (laughs) it's spooky i know i know yeah, it's, it's it's so crazy. Oh, it's it's and again, you're right. Like beginning of the year, I'm like, oh, this is this is something that's going to be years down the road before it matures. It's maturing really fast. It's just it's kind of crazy to see like how much is taking off. Yeah, it's both terrifying and very exciting. Yeah, very much so. Um, so like, 
you've had a lot of exposure now to, to a lot of, of, of different tech, a lot of problems, a different clients, the different companies you worked at. When you when you take your mathematics background into account, how how does that influence your perspective on kind of the future of of like where marketing and revenue operations is heading? You know, I've, I've put a lot of thought into this actually this year, not specifically because of the math, but like, you know, I think that uh, marketing automation, which historically has been kind of the foundation for marketing ops, it's still so foundational for the practice, but I don't think it's as much of the pie as it used to be. And with that, with what I've been doing with the statistical analysis, especially um, when it comes into play with attribution and um, I honestly think lead scoring is going to be gone because I think there's going to be better ways to do it based on stats, based on AI or, you know, developed by AI like and everything. Intent. Intent. Definitely intent. Thank you. Cause I almost forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the big one that I've seen. It's like, it's like, who cares what your ICP is anymore? Like what's, what's the intent look like? <laughs> well, right. Because if they don't want to buy, they're not going to buy and you can't change that. I mean, well, that's a separate thing, but, um. <laughs> I, th- I think that the way of the future for marketing ops and rev ops overall is very mathematical driven, very statistics driven. And I think AI is actually going to help unlock that for more people. You don't have to have the formal background like I do to harness it. And I think like give it six months, 12 months. It is soon that that is coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it's going to be faster than we think. It's, it's we're, we're, we're just on kind of the cusp of it really blossoming, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, so what advice would would you give to other professionals that are looking to like push the limits of of, of what's possible and what they can do in in marketing and RevOps? You know, I think for me, and this doesn't sound so cliche, but just try try to do everything. Don't try to do everything all at once, right? But if something sounds interesting or fun or like a challenge that could be worth pursuing. Try to make it work, even if you think it can't, even if the tool says it can't, even if AI says it can't, it probably can. Um, Sometimes it's just that a person has to do it. But I think that's how all of these great strides have been made. That's how you went from a email or a MailChimp to a Marketo, right? That's how we got from machine learning to AI and um, all of these big leaps in technology, which have led to big leaps in strategy, have been because people are challenging that envelope. And I think we as humans are more capable of that individually than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and if we fail 300 times, but then succeed that 300 first time, then it was worth it. <laughs> do, you, um, do you find that relying on any kind of communities that are out there? Like, I, I, like one of the things that I've, I've found myself is, is, you know, being in a lot of different RevOps communities, you people... People are are very helpful, right? And they 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 want to make sure that like their experience and what they've done helps the next person. And and a lot of times, like you know, if you have a problem, it's probably not the first time someone's run into that. And if you if you go to a community that is that is helpful like that, uh, you can present what your problem is, and you can you can usually find somebody that doesn't want you to reinvent the wheel. Um, and, and they help you, they help you down that path. Have you, have you had, you know, as you've done things and trying to push those limits, have you, have you ever been able to engage with a community to find, you know, 
hey, I want to try this. And someone says no, or hey, I want to try this. And someone says, yeah, I've had a lot of great response. Like, have you ever had that happen? Oh, that's my entire job. Like, I think <laughs> successful in RevOps in, or any ops really is like, are you willing to ask people stupid questions? Because never <laughs> ask stupid questions. We've all done that. We've all asked. I'm part of like 20 Slack communities <laughs> all about revenue ops, marketing, whatever. And I'm the one asking all the stupid questions, but that's how I get my job done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's like, it's like, there's only stupid answers. Right? It's like, there's no dumb questions, you know? Uh, that's uh, that's awesome. What's your, uh, what's your what's your favorite community besides Opstars? You don't want to you know be biased, but like what's what's your what's your favorite like let's say marketing operations specific community today? So for marketing ops, I've got two favorites. There's the um, Mo Pros and then the Mops Pros, which are full of a lot of the same people, um, but they they're great communities. People are so open with questions. No one ever asks stupid questions. In fact. I think I've learned something every day just from like perusing the questions people are asking or the problems they're trying to solve. So those are two really good ones. And I th- and those are Slack ones, right? They're Slack ones, but I think they have an online, at least job board, maybe, maybe more. That's awesome. So take a look if you're in marketing ops and you want, you need a good community, MoPros or Mop Pros. There's, there's two, right? Yep. Yeah, I think I think Mopro, I think we've done some stuff with MoPros. I know I know that that's one that uh, I think some of the marketing folks at, at Lean Data uh, are in and use and and have a lot have found a lot of value in. So that that's uh, that's one to look at. So what in in your view um, are kind of the most exciting developments that are on the horizon for kind of you know I, I know you, you've done a lot of of, of marketing uh, uh, analytics. You know what's on the horizon for really harnessing and manipulating data in 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 RevOps and, and marketing ops. So, AI aside, because obviously that's its own beast. There, so there's, um, I've really been playing around with um, marketing mix modeling this past year. Adobe just released a tool for it. I want to say in March, and I have been fortunate enough to just get my feet wet with it. Um, but this concept of it's. It's not this traditional. I say traditional, even though attribution was not is not that old of a concept. But you know, this breaking away from that tradition of attribution and saying this thing gets this credit, but instead saying this combination of things is likely to give you this combination of results. And here's a bunch of levers, and if you move these different levers, these outputs will move along with it. That's something that has been so interesting. And I don't really know that much about it, to be honest. It's just really cool. And I'm like, next year is the year that I master it. So you can follow up next year and see if I did. So basically, it's it's not like a like an A leads to B. It's like an A, B, C, D leads to E, F, G, H. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that, right? Because like you... As a person, you don't make the decision to buy this roll of toilet paper because you walked into the store and it was on the shelf. That's probably part of it. But like you probably, it probably had to do with which store you went to, which shelf it's on, how badly you needed toilet paper, what was on sale that day. And also what else is in your cart, right? And that all of those things work together to make a decision. And um, it's so fascinating to see how that works when you have a whole buying center full of 10 people who are giving you millions of dollars instead of one person giving you 10. That is interesting. And, and so Adobe's coming out. Adobe has this, and what is it called again? Um, 
what is their actual quote? I think it's called Adobe Mix Modeler. Mix Modeler. That's interesting. And it, and it's part of the Marketo platform, obviously. It's not actually. Um, it's its own separate. It's from thing. Adobe directly. Mm-hmm. How interesting! Yeah, I guess I have to check out that. That I had not heard of that. I I always learn things new when I do when I do the podcast. So I love I love. Yeah. After after we get done, I love jumping in and like, wow, what was that mixed model? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to look it up now. <laughs> yes, let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, how do you how do you think that the the field of, of revenue operations itself is going to evolve uh, in the next few years with the advancements that you know that we're seeing like this in in data analytics? I think that it's making the ops, especially the revenue ops practice, more of a strategic partner in the business and. I keep coming back to AI, but AI is eventually going to help eliminate the need for things like building campaigns or building reports in Salesforce. So we have to get more strategic as RevOps people, as we should anyway, right? And that's like something that we all should be working towards regardless. Um, And as we are learning more about the impact of the business and our activities impact on the business, we can advise both the revenue generation teams and the business as a whole on ways to honestly just make more money. Um, so I think the future of RevOps is, and we see that because, you know, 10, five, 10 years ago, I didn't see nearly as many director or VP level RevOps jobs as I do now. So we're shifting what's it's happening, whether we want it to or not. Yeah. And the other thing I see too, is that they're reporting to the CEO, not, not, not the CRO or the COO. Like it's a, it's a seat at the table at the E, e level uh executive office absolutely even getting a director to report up to a c-suite was a big deal because i have spent i spent so long reporting into demand gen or you know that type of marketing getting direct um, access to a cmo or a cro as a marketing ops person was a big deal so i love that direct connection with the executive suite because there really is so much impact that revop people can make i think it's just sometimes either not valued or not recognized, or we don't even know as our own selves that we have that to offer. It's it's very true, um, and it's great to see too. And again, it goes back to like you know that that ownership that RevOps has of making that customer journey amazing from start to finish, and how that ends up spanning so many different parts of the business. Like you're almost doing your just you're almost doing the company a disservice. If you're not having that person report to the CEO. I agree. Yeah. I mean, because we really are trying to get this comprehensive, comforting view or experience for our customers. That's what they ultimately care about anyways, the customer. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, well, last question. We'll wrap up with this. Um, Again, you know, I I love, I love telling these stories, right? I love, I love your story of, of going from being a math major and going into marketing ops. Um, you know, for, for everybody, there's always a point in your career where that shift happens. There's a lot of fear, uncertainty, doubt, you know, am I doing the right thing? Um, what would you, what would your recommendation be for, for folks that are like, Hey, I think I want to go down this RevOps path. I'm in, I'm in IT today, or I'm in, I'm in sales today, or I'm in some other form of marketing today. What, what would be your uh, recommendation? What would be your advice? A lot of us have uh, kind of forced our way into different fields, and I personally kind of found it. But I know plenty of people that came from other departments and were like, "Hey, I want to, I want to see Marketo. I want to see Salesforce. 
And I've been on that side from the Salesforce side. I've been like, hey, I think we should get Salesforce. And I think I should do that. Like, let me do it. And (laughs) you have to be willing to just jump in and get your hands dirty and um, also be willing to be told no. And that's okay because the more you keep asking and the more persistent you are, like there is, I think anyone who wants to get into that is doing it because they already can see the value that they can add to it. Um, so all you have to do is you have to like start doing it and proving the value. I make that sound so easy. I know it's not, but <laughs> that's what I've had experience and success doing in the past. It's why I've said that like some of the best RevOps people come out of sales because salespeople know how to take a no and turn it into a yes. So like if you're gonna if you're gonna change jobs and go into RevOps and get told no a bunch of times, you're gonna find a way to get to yes, and then you're gonna find that RevOps is a good a good career path for you. That is so true. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Rachel, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you so much for for joining us on this episode of uh, the Outstars podcast. It was uh, it was a, it was a joy to to talk to you and hear your story. Awesome! Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. The Outstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for Opstars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Opstars and Lean Data, thanks for listening. <laughs>